Hey everybody, and welcome to the 14th episode of DCI. I'm your host, Jonathan Miley. In this episode, Brian and I talk with Alan Lumbrer, who is the co-founder of Antonym of Time Games, a new indie studio uh, that's working on an incredibly ambitious uh, four-set strategy game collection that's currently being kickstarted right now. Uh, the games uh, include two sci-fi games, a fantasy game, and a uh, zombie survival game. Uh, we have a really great talk uh, and get some really in-depth information about the games and some good behind-the-scenes information uh, about Kickstarter. So we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to find out more about DarkStation, you can do that at DarkStation.com. You can follow us on Twitter at DarkStation underscore com. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, we are the DarkCast, and you can find us on iTunes. While you're there, drop us a review and let us know what you think of the show. Uh, finally, if you want to send us an email, you can do that at podcast at darkstation.com. And for more information about Antonym of Time Games or their Kickstarter, check out the links in the show notes for this page. As always, thanks for listening, and on with the show. joining us on the dark cast how are you doing today i'm doing fine how are you doing pretty good doing pretty good um brian was actually just telling me about some crazy internet contraption that he's gotten uh that yes. puts power through a or not power internet through a power outlet uh so my brain's actually still kind of reeling from that i did not know that was a thing it's, mm. it's the way of the future i, I think maybe <laughs> i don't know we could transmit it through the air transmit it through the power it, that, that everything is possible <laughs> Um, all right, well, uh, I guess just to get started, uh, the first question that I have is, Antonym of Time Games is the name of your studio. Where does where did that come from, and what is the Antonym of Time? <laughs> uh, the Antonym of Time is the game company, but um, no, um, the uh, when we were uh, we were planning on incorporating at the beginning of the year, and we've been, you know, discussing different titles that would reflect. Uh, um, you know, the ideas we were interested in. Mm -hmm. uh, this is, um, I'm, when I say we, I'm talking about me and my brother who are the co-founders of the company. Um, now, uh, um, a lot of the terms that we actually, you know, first came to mind are, are actually existing game companies, even for uh, uh, games themselves that have already been used because you're looking for, you know, terms that will raise people's interest. And... While we were doing this, we came across, uh, um, I forget, we were searching for actually uh, uh, different words for time, and uh, uh, Google suggested uh, uh, we look up the antonym of time. <laughs> uh, and we, the prompt answer is, there is no antonym of time. <laughs> <laughs> they said, well, there is now. Actually, yeah. Ah, we solved that one. <laughs> Well, it was, um, it, and the reality was it really did reflect what we were trying to do. Um, I've seen a lot of articles talking about the essentially the death of PC gaming. And 
uh, a lot of the games that um, I remember playing that I really loved, very few of them uh, still continue to come out anything like them. The closest was um, uh, I played the original XCOM and the sequels, and recently on the PS3 they put out XCOM UFO. Uh, 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 oh, excuse me, it was uh, Enemy Unknown was the subtitle, mm-hmm. um, and that was. Uh, um, that reminded me just how much I enjoyed the original XCOM game. And I thought back and I go, but there was so many titles that I really enjoyed playing that never really got updated into modern versions. Um, and you can see that like uh, the PC market really is favoring massive multiplayer uh, after Blizzard's success with uh, a World of Warcraft. Mm-hmm. And uh, the uh, uh, the console games are focusing more action-oriented or multiplayer-oriented as well. Uh, PC, you know, basic strategy games seem to be a disappearing genre. Um, can't think of the the last one that was released for the PC that I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I said, well, yeah, this is actually is the kind some of the kinds of games we really want to make. We want to go back to uh, um, and you know, with with the modern you know graphics and gameplay but i want to go back and revive some of these sto- things from uh, um, civilization to uh, some titles master of magic uh, was a fantasy first fantasy civilization it's ancient history now um, there was uh, master of orion space con basic space conquest games uh, uh, um, uh, i'm trying to think what was the other of course xcom and there's a Several other titles I'm sure would come to mind later, but you know, these are the games I really enjoyed. I remember playing them for hours on end. They were uh, uh, um, my absolute favorites, and I just haven't seen those games since. So what I thought about, we said, this actually does reflect what we're trying to do with the, with the games: is bring back uh, um, what we remember as being some of the best uh, game designs out there. Sure. Yeah. Awesome. Sorry, I tend to ramble on. <laughs> no problem. Uh, oh, no, that's, that's fine. <laughs> we are here to let you talk about your game however you want to. And yeah, no, long explanations are great. Um, <laughs> it's. I, I, I remember actually the first couple of interviews that we did. Um, at, you know, just kind of learning. You know, doing interviews and stuff like that, not being a professional at it or anything, but talking to people and just getting these short answers. It's just like. Okay, um, so all of my questions were answered in five minutes. I don't know what to ask now. <laughs> what's, what's the weather like outside? <laughs> so um, sucks. I'm in Jacksonville. It sucks. Just like you know, putting that out there. Actually, feels pretty good in Georgia right now. So you know, it's really? like still... yeah, 75, 78 degrees, something like that, uh, which for us is you know freezing. It's, it's great. Yeah. Um, but so in your Kickstarter video, you and your brother talk about uh, having some uh, a lot of experience in the uh, kind of tech industry and software development. Um, so if you could talk a little bit about that, the experience that you guys are kind of bringing to making these games. You've already talked about some of the uh, you know the games that have really inspired you. Uh, but is this your first game project? Hold on, before you answer that, oh, well, Alan, are you the one with the luscious locks? Yes. Okay. Okay. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, please continue. Yeah. 
We, uh, um, I personally got into, um, I actually studied chemical engineering in college and hated it. Um, and then I, someone said to me, why on earth are you not a computer science major? Um, you, you, you've used, you've basically written uh, small little software projects for a long, you know, on your own time, you know, and you know more about computers than, you know, most people. Um, and I said, you know, you, you're right. But at that time, instead of pursuing a college major, because it was very difficult to change at that point, I went and pursued education and direct to technical school and programming. Uh, from there, about 2001, I got hired uh, by a little company called Objective. They do uh, software consulting. Uh, and I, I actually continued to work there, and I still actually consult with them uh, part-time. Uh, I think in the first two years, they, made, they brought, brought me in as equity, a uh, small equity partner. Uh, um, uh, most of my experience has been uh, um, with them. They do uh, custom build-outs for uh, clients from uh, insurance to reinsurance, and for the past um, I think, ooh, has it been eight years? They're, they've been focused on a particular financial solution for hedge funds that uh, um, I've been the uh, technical lead on and, and primary, I guess primary architects, fair to say. Uh, it's a large enough project that there are, it's, you know, it's hard to credit any one person with the, uh, the majority of the design. Uh, but I worked there for for that long. Prior to that, my my brother he used to work uh, Easter Seals of New Jersey. Um, he was more into accounting, but he quickly became the uh, the guy who writes all the macros and spreadsheets and manages their system through that. Um, and uh, um, he was looking to get into programming, and uh, we were expanding, so he moved over to Objective as well. And became, uh, I think he's, I forget his current title. He still works there uh, as a product, what was it, uh, product lead or something like that. Um, he uh, does the, uh, you know, primary, primary uh, client contact and uh, does uh, debugging when he can, but it's getting too busy for that nowadays. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, and that's just the that's the professional end of my experience. Personally, oh, I wrote back. I wrote programs, very small programs. They never, I never was good at, at the graphics on a game on a system like a Commodore. Mm -hmm. uh, I used to write little basic programs to do things, you know, uh, but they were never they never were more than a ho like a little fun hobby. Um, over the over the years, I uh, um, have we have. I used to. I wrote a few different pieces of games, but never, uh, uh, never got around to incorporating the game. Mostly because of our my weakest area is really uh, um, graphics. To be honest, I'm more of a mathematics, uh, physics, logic side of things, and I uh, have a good taste in graphics, but not uh, in that's not the ability to draw anything to save my life. Uh, <laughs> um, so, you know, I had very simple things, you know, star maps, 
uh, map generation I would do for fun, uh, uh, space combat battles, automatic uh, um, or with UI, uh, but nothing I would ever consider. You know, I never considered even remotely publishing because it would be it was far too crude looking visually to to be interesting. I thought, um, but. I've been, we've been looking for a long time, to, uh, both me and my brother, to, to get into the game industry professionally. It's a very small industry and very hard to get into. Mm-hmm. And we suddenly said, you know, actually, we're making a killing in the financial industry. Rel- well, I say killing, but I'm probably the lowest paid person <laughs> in, a, in terms of, like, what they make at hedge funds. Don't, <laughs> But... Um, uh, uh, the uh, um, it was uh, enough that we could uh, get this company going, and um, I only have to work part time consulting to make ends meet. Um, we uh, um, and at this point we're starting to uh, outsource our graphics. So most of the graphics you see, pretty much all of the graphics you see, were rig- were parts of or, or were done in part or in whole by an, um, another company we're contracting with. They're able to do it. Uh, they have about 20 people working on our project for a fraction of what we would have to pay for one person. So uh, um, it's actually worked like out well. Hmm? <laughs> that sounds like a deal. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, they're, it's, they're located in uh, Bangladesh. You know. Okay. I never would have thought of it, but... And there are problems with outsourcing, and um, I've I've been through that both from, you know, work and now personally, and I can say I would never consider outsourcing programming at this point because uh, um, there's a bit of a language barrier you keep running into, and Mm -hmm. you always get, you're always your first pass as your results never live up to your expectations, but... Uh, despite that, I would say they were, um, they're very willing to continue to work on something until you're happy with it. They were, uh, um, they, it took a lot longer than expected, I think, but knowing now that they essentially they can get the results that we need for a low cost, if not a low turnaround time, uh, um, we're actually, we're actually in a very good position to go ahead with those graphics mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, actually, the bulk of what we're looking for in terms of Kickstarters, it's all to cover the, the expensive graphics, cutscenes, uh, character, animated character models. You know, uh, very little of it uh, um, stays in-house, and that's basically just so I don't have to work as a consultant part-time. I can focus full-time on this, and uh, um, Depending on our funding level, we might even bring in someone else to help with the programming, but it would be uh, locally, and that's uh, far more expensive than uh, outsourcing. Sure, sure. So uh, I guess going going right to the games itself, um, what made you guys decide to do four at once? <laughs> well, um, our... Our original plan, well, part of it was actually that when we uh, approached the graphics team, um, we wanted to uh, um, see what they could do with a variety of different projects. We actually approached them with five uh, different ideas that we wanted to see what they could come back with. And um, 
uh, they managed to uh, produce pretty good results on a very reasonable budget. Um, and, and we were thinking initially, you know, we would actually go to Kickstarter or, and list uh, five independent titles and let uh, the public decide which ones they wanted to back. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Kickstarter, about mid, sometime middle this year, decided that they were going to change their policy. They did not want anyone putting up multiple projects. Uh, okay. So that that we were we were we were still thinking at that time we were just going to list one project. Um, and while we were doing this, we were doing the math, and we said um, we actually we 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 realized that the problem was a very scalable issue um, because um, especially with the graphic scalability, it's sort of like I can ask them for uh, um, uh, 10 different items and it will take them six months to complete them. I, or I could ask them for 100 different items and it would still take them six months to complete them. Um, uh, it, which sounds odd, but essentially they, they would put as many people on it as they needed to, but they couldn't, each time they, each time they went through a phase and turned something around, it would take, uh, you know, it could take uh, a week before they could uh, get the resources back if they needed to make a change. Mm -hmm. You know, it was, that was one of those things that was driving us nuts with dealing with them. But uh, um, uh, it actually, it, you know, scale, it, their scalability was quite high. But once, you know, once they presented something, it was like to do a revision to it takes the same amount of time. Um, we uh, we looked at that. And we said um, this and between this and overhead and other issues, it costs us. It, we would have to ask about two hundred thousand or a little less uh, through Kickstarter to fund a single title, and we would have to worry about the zone at the end where we've completed the product and actually delivered it to our backers. Um, but we have yet to necessarily make open market sales and we're now idling potentially for a window which is very dangerous for the company because we don't have any funding left over um and we said but if we when we looked at the four titles said, but the four titles together when we do the math it only works out to about 125 a title it's actually like 120 a title but kickstarter takes some and uh um uh, um, we, we need to have a, a little bit of a, a buffer, so we uh, round it up a little bit, I think. But uh, um, the when we looked at that, we said, well, why are why don't we offer this deal to uh, uh, the people who would back us? You know, it is it's much better for our company, and, and essentially it works out instead of taking um, well, we figured a single title funded would take about a year. Uh, all four titles funded only takes about two years. Hmm. Um, okay. And uh, even without funding, we figured we could still turn around a single title, but it would take closer to two years for a single title without funding because we would have to, uh, um, you have to work on a much tighter budget and you have to be very careful about when you spend money. Um, you already have to do that anyway, but. Uh, uh, essentially, you have to decide. I only need one alien model, and then I have to do. Uh, um, I can't ask the graphics team to do it for me. I have to do it my to do 
the, some of the things myself, which takes a lot longer because I'm, mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with 3D modeling animation and have some background in it, but uh, um, it is not my field of expertise. Sure. sure. Um, my my animations tend to my oh I did one really nice scene it came out very it came out beautifully but it was uh, um, more of a fluke than than what I normally do <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, um, I had never realized that there's a piece of music um, oh it's from it's a piece of classical music and then the name eludes me right now I had never realized that the scene was a simple uh, it was a series uh, it was in supposed to be the inside the cargo hold of the ship as the ship came online. Mm -hmm. And um, I managed to get, I thought it was beautiful. The, the floor would light up in sequence as throughout the room and it would spread nicely. And as it hit certain points, the light path, which was um, in the center of the floor, would go out to the sides. And I said, this something about this says there's a piece of music I know that goes with this, and I tracked down the piece of music and it it exactly lined up with the already rendered scene. I never knew how I managed to do that. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> Very nice. Um, and uh, um, but I really did like the way that scene came out, and I was thinking we could uh, um, proceed with that particular venue we were working with, but. Uh, uh, as we as we went onwards, we ran into um, we needed a lot of we needed about 40 hard body models for ships on that idea. It was a space piracy type game, mm -hmm. and we did, we'd already gone fairly decently with the star map and a few other areas of the game and uh, parts of what we were going to be the opening scene were working. But as we proceeded to the hard body models, we go. Uh, and neither my, me nor my brother have enough experience in it. We keep producing relatively simple models. We're not happy with them. We don't think they're professional grade. And uh, um, the more we looked into that, we said, let's put that on hold and look for where we can better apply our, you know, limited talents. Um, but around that time, that's actually when we said, you know, there's a couple of titles we've been dying to do. Uh, um, personally, like the invasion has been one uh, that I've been dying to, to do for a long time. Ever since I, honestly, ever since I played the original XCOM, I've always thought I'd love to make a game from the other side. Um, and uh, it said, you know, let's stop trying to do the graphics ourselves. Let's try, stop working on the weakest area and start. Let's see what we can do in outsourcing. And we were, I think things are going, things went rather well in that area. Uh, mm -hmm. And now um, we're busy working to incorporate the uh, um, actual graphics we've received into an engine that we're building for the uh, gameplay itself. Um, and uh, I do think that project is off to a good start. But uh, um, I have uh, like a list of things that I'd love to see in like cutscenes for the game. I think there's a lot of room for um, uh, uh, fun with the idea, and some of those scenes. Like, I know there's no way I can do that myself, and I know I can't uh, uh, 
I know how much it would cost to produce Ruffler, and we simply can't uh, um, put up that kind of budget on our own. I mean, uh, as you see, the, the, the funding goal for our projects about ha is a half million. Mm -hmm. uh, and as I said, uh, the bulk of that, it's, it's all graphics. It's all, uh, um, you know. It's all, it's all the look. It's all the appearance, cuts, cut scenes, character models, all of that. Uh, um, you look at the, um, we did a, I really liked the way the Griffin came out. Although, mm -hmm. um, uh, originally the, the floor was going to be different and they, uh, we didn't have time to revise that after their last uh, um, rendering. Uh, but uh, uh, I liked the way that one came out. And I was like, but I need uh, about 30 of those. You know, I want a whole uh, uh, supply of, of different units, and each one costs money. So while we put up, um, I think, uh, around 10000 for graphics, we need, uh, uh, that only represented about um, uh, one, like four, four to five percent of what we would want in the... So the drop in the bucket. Yeah, it's, it's, it's... Nothing. We're expecting to take the bulk of the money, about two hundred and fifty thousand, give or take a little, because we have to adjust. Uh, um, uh, um, there's some tax issues to worry about, but they don't take. They they come into line with, as I understand it, with unspent funds as of the end of next year. Uh, tax gets deferred as a pre-sale, but only up to a year. Hmm. And some of the tax burden might cause us to have to cut some of the. Uh, uh, um, the budget or transfer the budget from other areas. Uh, but yeah, we're looking to spend about that much on graphics. Okay. Yeah, I, I can, <laughs> sorry, I'm one of those people who can go on and on with my train of thought forever. <laughs> no, that's, that's great. This is actually some of the rawest, uh, I guess, business talk that we've had about kind of the uh, behind the scenes Kickstarter part of it, like what it's all paying for. Um, so, no, this, this is great. Mm -hmm. um, no, I mean, I think uh, I think we worked out that, like, um, well, professionally, I was making it uh, varies when I work part time, but I was making at my peak around six figures, uh, just over. And uh, um, uh, essentially, when we're working on this, it's like this is a straight loss for me, but I love doing it. Sure. Absolutely. Um, so I guess let's let's start the uh, the individual games oh, sorry, themselves. You're um, what you'd mentioned invasion. So you're we're go it's oh I'm sorry. I, um, I wanted to start in on the individual games and, and I said you'd mentioned invasion first. So I guess we'll start with that one. Um, you said it's basically XCOM in reverse. So it's you're playing from the side of the aliens. Um, who you're ba are you the the scouting party? Um. The current, my current thinking, and uh, I tend to revise my thinking from time to time, but uh, um, I'm sort of envisioning as the aliens have, the aliens are coming to colonize Earth. They've simply scouted out a, a habitable world, and they don't know it's occupied. Um, they probably, given the time for space travel, they probably scanned us Oh, a few hundred years ago when we hadn't uh, developed electricity yet and we they simply wouldn't have picked up our settlements um, and I figure in the store ter story terms 
they sent an advanced scouting party that they never heard back from. Mm -hmm. uh, that would that would be about fifty years ago. Uh, so okay, so I, like I, Roswell. Yeah, I tied into the the Roswell piece. Okay. Um, and um, so they're arriving. They're un, really unprepared for to arrive at an occupied world, um, and. Uh, they're going to have a lot of problems because simply because the you know the scouting party was sent so far in advance because there was a great deal of work they needed to do uh, in uh, um, uh, you know part of the reason they they picked Earth is that there are certain things on Earth that perhaps we're unaware of that they're interested in certain resources and uh, um, the scouting party's job was to you know essentially map everything mm -hmm. so there. Are, very much unprepared, and they are not—they're not this overwhelming invasion force that you see in the, the movies. They—they they didn't come to invade; they came to colonize. Uh, and here's where the player comes in and says, "I get to decide how the aliens are going to proceed now that they've discovered the world's occupied. Are they going to—you know—they're going to have to send out small missions at first, try to keep their presence unknown." Uh, um, you know, recover samples, scan the area, and then decide, you know, uh, um, I want, certainly want one of the options to be to follow the path that XCOM took, which sort of put the aliens in the, if only we can scare everyone into submission, uh, was the, the XCOM model. The aliens seemed to be on a quest to uh, um, do as much damage as possible um, with the goal of causing countries to sign some sort of uh, peace agreement with them and accept subjugation under the aliens. Uh, so I do think that's one of the goals. I think there are other goals that they, the player should be able to, to sort of choose a path. Do they want, you know, do they simply decide that it's best, maybe they they want to terraform the world. Maybe it's, it's a nice livable world, but it's not quite what they want. It's perfect if they change it just a bit. And that's not so good for us. Mm -hmm. um, it uh, never is. <laughs> um, maybe they start thinking we need reinforcements. We can, you know, it, sure it took it takes years to travel to a new location, but part of the idea of colonizing is that they would then take the time to construct uh, a large scale uh, something like uh, the end of a wormhole. So that they could bring through other other ships, so maybe they're simply, in that sense, they're the advanced team to start colonizing the world. And maybe they say, no, no, we're not going to do that now. We're going to actually have to rush that. We're going to have to start construction and secretly construct this, so that we can bring through an army to 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 take control of this planet. We're never we're not going to even try it on our own. And I think. Uh, um, this like by giving the player like a lot of different story angles they can pursue as to how to proceed, even ones that like like maybe they decide they want to coexist with us peacefully, <laughs> as that as which is the uh, almost comical attempt to, to uh, do that since every every alien encounter we've ever seen in science fiction is always bad. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, but to give the player the idea, yeah, oh, if you that's if that's the path you want to take, take that path, and uh, um, you will do same similar missions, but your goals will now be different. You're not trying to, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, um, you know, you're trying to somehow 
peacefully you know address this that one's a little going to be a little bit trickier to implement uh, on a tactical combat game but uh, um i would like to like sneak that one in mm-hmm. um but the main focus will, will will be essentially saying you've got you you have to go you're going to go on missions and do things like you get shot down some one of your crafts gets shot down by uh, you know the local military you have to send in forces to do a to do a recovery and uh, uh, some of my ideas for for cutscenes just just take take that very same idea but present it in such a way that when you're watching the video at first you don't realize that it's an alien who's explaining what his mission is you know a craft has been shot down by the enemy there are hostile military forces closing in they need to rescue their people and only at the end of this little clip do you realize that the person who's going on this mission is actually an alien soldier and not a a, a human soldier mm-hmm. and i think uh, um, that, that's sort of what i loved about the idea is that you can there there's so many like great speeches and movies about alien invasions from the from like as the president might speak about it mm-hmm. you go but if you if you write the if you write the lines carefully, that could just as well be uh, uh, um, an alien leader talking to his troops about the need to invade uh, 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 this new planet with this unknown enemy that they've never they've never had to deal with before. Sure. And uh, I think that I think that part of that idea just sort of like I really inspired me to say I really want to do this title. Uh, and I thought, uh, um, and I also I love the way the the alien who appears on the cover of the game uh, came out. I've been struggling with uh, there are a lot of different views on like what a gray alien looks like, mm-hmm. and um, I really wanted something a bit a bit expressionless, something that says you really just don't know what he's thinking, and. Uh, um, uh, the first couple uh, drawings I saw, they really fall back on the um, uh, what the what Hollywood has done with gray aliens. Uh, and somewhere along the line, I saw um, this cute little key fob that some that you know one of the alien sites was selling. And I thought, actually, they they somehow came closer to what I think an alien looks like than all of Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, because they've I, probably seen those aliens. <laughs> <laughs> it might be something like that, but it was just the idea that it, it, as a character caricature of an alien, it achieved that sense of uh, expressionlessness, the sense that you don't immediately associate it with like a thinking uh, something you would understand, like a, a you know, it doesn't have uh, human eyes, if you will. I mean, mm-hmm. sure, alien eyes are always these giant things, but you always feel like, I've always felt that like when I, I stared at them, it's like it, you get a sense of emotion and uh, um, uh, whether it's good or bad from those aliens. And uh, um, I think uh, the one we have right now really portrays what I was hoping to of, of you know, uh, um, uh, you know, something very you know, different. Yeah, it seems almost uh, like neutral, uh, almost like like it's very surprised. Like you were saying that there's 
there's stuff here and it's in the way. Yeah, I think, you know, because part of it is I want, I can envision the game both being relatively serious and at points really funny. And for example, I'd love to, some of the stuff I want to put in the game is meant to be more, maybe a bit Easter egg-ish, but, you know, uh, um, I want to make fun of the fact that we have stories about cattle mutilation. So I'd love to just explain from seeing it from the point of the aliens, the first mission is to go down and recover an animal from livestock, and they are given a stun gun. And little do they know that the stun gun actually causes cows to explode. <laughs> it's one of those uh, cra- weird side effects. Like, oh, well, we've never encountered this before. Yeah, they, they're like, just gently go up to the creature and and use the stun gun, and we'll then recover it. And, this poor guy, he's doing his job, and boom. <laughs> uh, and then they're, like, screaming at the, like, the, what is like, what did you do? Uh, I thought there'd be, like, a lot of room for humor like that, where they're told to do some rather silly things, like um, they are, in, they become interested in psychological warfare, so they might, like, ask one of their soldiers to put on a giant pair of bunny ears on the hopes that this will somehow confuse the the uh, um, the, the, the civilians and, and not and they won't understand what's going on <laughs> because, because we, uh, you know honestly in the history of warfare we have done some rather silly things uh, uh, on the on the basis that it might have a psychological impact and I'm thinking, you can play right off that, and you can have some fun with uh, um, their just failure to understand us and uh, um, their willingness to try some rather silly things. Mm-hmm. And but uh, that's I want that to be part of the game, and I felt like if the aliens try, if I try to make the aliens look really menacing or really or uh, go with what they what Hollywood did. It, they just won't be able to pull it off, you know? I can't see a Hollywood alien trying to pull off the bunny ears. I can see this guy trying to pull it off. <laughs> um, so, uh, no, I'm hoping you have a lot of little fun with the game, but, and otherwise, though, I really don't want it to be a serious, to have the serious, yeah, this is a tactical combat game. You're going to be, you arrive on the scene, you're going to expect police to arrive and have to uh, fend them off, and then you're going to expect uh, uh, the military to arrive, uh, um, or even uh, special agents to arrive. Uh, um, you know, like the equivalent of the XCOM team shows up to, you know, uh, <laughs> take down your force. Um, and there you have all these concerns, like all the little details about, you know, making sure your technology is not recovered by the enemy. Um, and uh, the need to, to say, you know, sort of trying to explain what some of the alien behavior you saw in XCOM is. Why are they landing all over the place? Uh, um, you know, just keep they just keep sending craft down for no apparent reason in XCOM. They never really they never really tried to explain what the aliens were doing. And mm-hmm. I thought, actually, there, there, you can come up with a lot of really good reasons as to why the aliens are doing some of these seemingly uh, uh, crazy things, uh, um, 
you know, they have uh, their technology is a little bit different than ours, and they've got uh, they've got resources that they're looking to gather um, that we're we and ourselves might not even be fully aware of that they're present, and uh, um, so they would they would they're going down to actually recover recover these uh, uh, pieces and to even just to map out the the veins of their locations as you will, surveying and you know these are all I want this all to sort of make sense suddenly you know this was the aliens that do have a really good they do have a plan they do have a know what they're doing and uh, um, uh, um, you know sort of tie back to the original behavior and like but and see see it from the other side and hopefully anyone who's played uh, uh, one of the XComs will get that and anyone who hasn't will simply enjoy it for what it is sure. that's good um, so I think one of the ones that I'm most interested in is Zombie Earth. Uh, zombies are very prevalent in you know pop culture, but they haven't really broached the RTS genre. So can you talk a little bit about that one? Yes. Well, the first the first warning is that we're not doing it as an RTS. Okay. Well, okay. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, um, uh, well, the main reason is because. Uh, um, uh, um, as a as a strict RTS genre, uh, um, who I've seen, I've actually seen mods for games to do zombies, but they never never really worked well for me. But um, we're actually doing is is a more turn based tactical version of it, okay. uh, or at least that's the the outline. And any uh, um, any real time sort of play would be uh, um, a variant of the original. Gotcha. Um, but we we set it up and we said, yeah, no one has. I've enjoyed some very good movies. Like uh, uh, the first one that came to mind was Dawn of the Dead, where they uh, um, they actually started with the outbreak, and just someone who's at home and is being attacked by zombies, and suddenly the whole neighborhood's falling apart, mm-hmm. and they their decision is to run to the mall. <laughs> but um, <laughs> and, you know. That's all. That's always where you go with it. You know, the mall. I, we we blame George Romero for that. That sounded like yeah. a good idea. Yeah, uh, and uh, you know, uh, you know, they've been. It's become a very good genre since uh, um, The Walking Dead. You know, um, more comics movies like uh, Shaun of the Dead. They. Uh, um, oh, and uh, although I never cared for the original um, black and white. Uh, Night of the Living Dead. I love the '85 uh, remake of it. Um, uh, I I just somehow they changed it the way I just loved it. But um, when it came to this, we said I really can envision this as a as a game, as a tactical game. As a you know, here you are start as a civilian, and you know maybe at first you're just escaping the zombies. But you're going to have to find ways to fight back. You're going to have to go out on missions to gather resources, basic supplies. So you're going to have to, you know, to uh, look for other survivors at first. Um, and, uh, you know, certainly as the apocalypse continues, it becomes more, we're more concerned that other survivors will find you uh, and not be friendly. Um, although um, I, 
always think that zombie zombie stories tend to fall apart when they forget about the real the threat of the zombies. Um, uh, but I uh, really wanted to, you know, uh, I really felt we could take that and say, yeah, I can definitely see a game where you can see the zombies on the map, you can see your people and have them, you know, moving and firing at the zombies. And uh, um, my preference was to do it in in turn-based tactical, uh, uh, it's much like the style of uh, the XCOM had succeeded with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen a few other titles. And uh, um, uh, give the player the opportunity to, uh, you know, play through this zombie story. And as we discussed the, t- that was sort of like the initial version of the story. And as we've discussed it, uh, it's evolved a bit. Essentially, every um, zombie mythos, if you will, there's the always the focus on. The initial, they actually like to skip over some of the initial part, and I've never really felt that that was appropriate. I mean, a movie like Dawn of the Dead covers it, but a story like The Walking Dead, they have to skip it entirely. Essentially, civilization falls apart, and uh, you arrive some point later after there are only a handful of survivors. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, I thought like I'd rather like include that first portion in the story, you know. Um, and, um, let's see, but as we evolved, we said there are all these, there's mythos about, you, if you're doing a good zombie story, it's about the way people interact with each other during this event. And it's the different hopes and dreams they build up, whether it's looking for a cure, uh, or looking to form a, a new city or, uh, um, looking for a place where there aren't any zombies. And these has appeared in, you know, different movies from, you know, Let's Go to an Island, I think, was uh, um, Dawn of the Dead. And let's, there was uh, Land of the Dead was found, founding a city, which they'd already started with the city. And um, Walking Dead actually ran through the idea of, first, let's go to the CDC, then... Uh, um, We've given up on a cure. Let's go find, try, just try and find a safe place to hole up. Um, uh, and even like, uh, though it wasn't the their main objective, there was the, the meeting travelers who are convinced that if they just go to the right place, they'll be okay. Uh, um, uh, I, you know, I think it was their Nebraska was one of the ones they mentioned. They made it a nice episode about meeting people and then killing them because they were threats to them. Um, and I thought, I want to see the game take all these different approaches and create the story as, as the player goes through it. Now, certainly, there's a finite number of paths that the player can take, but uh, um, um, it would be along the lines of you, you hear about a group of survivors that are looking for a cure. And since the, the game is designed to be very replayable, be like, does the player choose to try and follow that lead? And if they do, maybe they find that the story, it's, it feels like maybe the same story, but then they'll realize uh, um, there are different paths that story could have taken. Maybe they are actually pursuing a real cure, 
or maybe um, it's a dead end, that there, this story is meant to end in tragedy, and that has, um, uh, uh, you know, I think will really give the opportunity for a lot of, like, a replay experience of each time you, you could play the game through several times, and each time you could pursue different goals and uh, uh, play a different character and meet different people that would be, you know, certain dynamics simply will never evolve if you don't play it enough times. And uh, I started to feel like that could really work as a, as a, a really strong title. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that story sounds, sounds really ambitious for kind of like a, a, an XCOM kind of turn-based thing. Um, would you know with that 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 turn-based strategy portion of it um, are, is this something that you're planning to do through um, through like cutscenes or do you want to try to work that into the action somehow uh, those choices well, like how would how would that come about I think that the um, what the, uh, the the difficulty of working it into the story is I think the game much like the original time the game is divided into two parts. Uh, there's the part that takes place when you, you've decided on a mission and you say, we need to go here and accomplish this. You've, once you've chosen the mission, you're in tactical combat. You've picked a team, you've sent them out. They will either succeed or fail at their goals. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's the planning stage, which is um, having these conversations between different members of different people and uh, um, deciding what direction you want to take. Um, and I see that as uh, um, playing out in a non-tactical mode. Uh, now, graphically, we might keep a lot of it simple since uh, um, um, Doing like full cutscenes for each of these might be difficult. The cutscenes might only come uh, depending on the sort of the ending you've chosen to reach in the game. But okay. the conversations, simple, you know, um, the conversations might choose to, we might choose to use a simple, more dialogue structure of here are the two characters, here's the conversation that takes place, and what decisions do you make as the leader of the group based on these actions? And then, uh, um, uh, you know, what objectives do you set for the group and which mission of several, now that you've set these goals, there are several opportunities open to you. Uh, do you think it's better to go to the hospital or the police station, for example? Uh, and the game may decide that there were, uh, I would think along the lines of, the game actually has six different options and it will present you with two of those options, for example. Uh, so there's six different like targets and says, but your people think your your people think uh, and are able to locate two of them, um, and which one do you think is a better choice now? And uh, you know I think most of my choices I like I prefer to usually give the player three options instead of two, but it, for the sake of this example, so they said you're going to go to the police station or the hospital, and depending on the you know. The police station is a better is a good place to get weapons, and a hospital is a good place to get medicine and other supplies. Um, and uh, I wanted to say, like, okay, but your randomness was you didn't get to pick any location under the sun. You didn't get to pick the supermarket this time because they didn't find one nearby. 
Um, but depending on what type of character you're, you've chosen to play, you might say, well, I've chosen to play somebody who's, whose focus is leading, on, leading the group through strength. And for them, their best option is to um, go to the police station and get more weapons because that's what they'll be respected for in the group. And, or you could have chosen to play someone who's far more compassionate as a leader. Uh, and uh, they say, well, no, no, going to the hospital is definitely the best option. We need to, those supplies. And this will sort of influence as the game moves on. You know, if you are, if your focus is strength, is strength you might be uh, um, the kind of leader who could turn away people in need. And the group will actually respect you more for doing that than they will uh, sort of, or the or they'll give you a very little sense of punishment in terms of, you know, they understand why you made that decision and the group is strong and they and that's good. Mm -hmm. Or you can, if you've chosen a compassionate leader, you're sort of faced with, there's a huge penalty if you if you're leading on a focus of being a, you know, a compassionate and and caring individual. And you suddenly decide these here are these needy people and we can't help them. Um, oh yeah, absolutely, because that you know goes against what has defined the group so far. Yes, and uh, um, I want to give the player these choices at the beginning as to what kind of character they play, and then choices as the game goes on as to about where they want to, where they think their best uh, options are for goals, and uh, uh, certain features where, like I said. I want to give them hints about different traditional zombie stories. You know, uh, um, do you want to find something like the CDC? Uh, is that something you think could help you? And then the game may already know behind the scenes the answer to that question. It may know whether you will succeed or fail if you go to the CDC. Um, uh, and it's up to the player to decide if they're even going to try. And that may mean that may mean giving up on other options like. Maybe there is a place out there that it, that has a very low population, and if they go there, it'll be much safer. Um, and uh, or maybe that place just doesn't exist. You know, it's very risky to go there. Uh, and it, I sort of see it as like, you know, in the zombie movie, you never know what the right answer is going to be. So I just look at the player and go, you don't know what you don't know whether I can only tell you about the thread of the story. And you decide how far you want to follow it before you think it's going to succeed or fail. And I want the player to be able to, to sort of pursue this as start pursuing multiple threads and see the interactions within their group as they go. Uh, um, we've been pursuing this thread all along of getting to the CDC. And uh, um, now you say you want to found a town because you've been you've been gathering, you know, people from different professions and uh, resources to do this. And now you have to choose between them and, and uh, which story thread are you going to follow? And uh, how are the, the NPCs you've been leading going to react to your sudden seemingly shift in dynamics? Uh, but um, I say that as sort of a high-level vision, and I admit uh, some of that is going to be less practical uh, um, when actually implemented in the game, but I definitely see... Uh, um, being able to give the player at least the sense of uh, um, these are like ha um, probably will work it to upwards of half a dozen different paths 
that are traditionally viewed as the solutions to what to do in a zombie crisis and then decide uh, you'll be given, you know, little hooks into these threads and it's your decision to how far you want to follow each of these ideas and whether you think the idea is going to work or not. And uh, um, I think there's a lot of room for, I think there's a lot of, I think it's actually both relatively simple to implement and can create a great deal of uh, variability for the player just by taking these random elements and putting them together and letting the player choose how they want to follow that story and, and feel like they played the game once and they got one complete story that Matt, you know, and then play it again. It's like, but this was a completely different story. The whole game started to structure around their choices and became just took the story in a completely different direction. And I, I definitely feel that's viable. We, we, we spent a lot of time discussing just how that might work. And I think uh, uh, um, there's some, there's definitely some complications, but uh, um, it become, it does become very viable that you, as you know, you see, you see in a, a zombie movie, an actor is playing a specific role. And you go, but in different zombie movies, there's different ways of that same that same role could mean completely different things. The character that's at first uh, um, completely against you and seems uh, to be driving the group apart, and then uh, um, you know, in some stories, that character becomes someone who's far more central, and you realize that they're. Uh, um, the difficulties that they've been presenting, they are actually a still a very good person. And in some, sto some stories, they simply become the villain of the story. In some stories, they turn it around and say, actually, he was a really good character. He's the, he's the guy who finally ended up backing you when things turned hard, while the people you thought were supporting you ran off uh, um, or suddenly decided not to go with you. And I say, I see... I see how that like has played out in different zombie movies, and I go, this is a wonderful thing for us. We can take the same character, and depending on which story you're following, the character could turn out either way, and the player will feel like, you know, it completely fit in with the story that they themselves were building. Um, but again, I that one's a little hard to uh, um, express well. <laughs> I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. So going going from a, a complete zombie nightmare uh, to a land of fantasy is uh, is Archmag is is that also along the lines of kind of that tactical strategy or does that does that veer off somewhere else? Um, well, it started with um, uh, it started with a game called uh, Master of Magic, which actually goes back to a game called Civilization from, Sid I think it was uh, Sidneer was Civilization originally. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, uh, someone's got, someone after enjoying Civilization said, um, why not do Civilization in a fantasy setting? And they created a game called Master of Magic, which I thought, it was a little weak in some areas, but I really loved the idea that they had suddenly uh, um, uh, brought, ma you know, said, why do it in a real world setting? Why not do it in a fantasy setting? And um, we said, I always miss the fact that they, that 
you know, there has never been like a follow up to that. They sort of it's sort of uh, um, fantasy games since then have been a completely different model. Uh, um, they focused on real RTS became far more common uh, in general and uh, Civilization continued as a strong title, but they never went back. Uh, um, the the I think uh, I never cared for the one sci-fi game they did, Alpha Centauri. It was a bold idea, but the game itself didn't work. Um, but I looked at Master of Magic and I said, I really would love to do an update to this. And we started thinking about it and we said, yes, um, there's a lot that Master of Magic, in my mind, did not get right. And... There's a lot of strength in this general concept of civilization and, col and colonizing, colonizing a world. Um, so we want to take the strength of civilization and, uh, uh, again, build it into a, a new fantasy setting. Um, and there are a few things I want to do a little bit differently than civilization. Civilization loved to have... Um, units moving around the world map. So an army would be represented by a single a single unit like... A, yeah, like a soldier uh, or a cannon or, or something similar to that. Yeah. Yes, and um, you could end up with some rather bizarre combinations. I think the funniest one is was the original civilization. You could have the lowest level unit, a Greek phalanx, you know, defending on a mountain, and a battleship comes up and tries to bombard the mountain and gets killed by the phalanx. <laughs> I mean, come on, they're, it's, they're the Greeks. <laughs> yes, yes, they are They are the 300, apparently. That's right, yeah, they defend <laughs> battleships as well. It's, it's, all, it's all about positioning. Right. Now, they, they have improved in civilization since then and said, you know, actually, when a fleet bombards the coast, um, they don't get shot back at by regular units. <laughs> you know, melee units can't fight, can't fight back. But um, uh, I've always felt, I, I thought about it and I said, I actually have always missed the idea that um, sort of like these territory borders are defended. If you build, uh, if, if you place a fortress or as a fortress, your city represents a, a, a military base, um, then you should have a large number of forces in the city and they should be actively defending your t territory. You shouldn't have, I didn't like the idea so much of these little tiled units working around, uh, partly because they, uh, um, as the, in a small game they were fun, in an early game they were fun, in a late game, civilization really suffered from uh, uh, the sheer number of units you were producing and trying to move around the map would just eat up so much time watching these little tiles move around. And I, and what I want to do with it is basically say, well, to me, an army is a bit of an is a bit more abstracted than that. If I have a city located here and I have an army based in that city, and I have a fortress over here and I have an army base there, and they're both in range of the enemy city, I want to just plan to send those two armies against the city, and then it becomes a. Uh, um, uh, uh, you know, more of a strategic decision about how warfare is done rather than trying to position units uh, individually on the map uh, as single, tile, uh, you know, unit models. Um, so that's sort of one of the directions I wanted to take differently. Um, but uh, um, I, the, 
The one piece I'm not, we haven't reached a full decision on actually is when the battle takes place, I still want it to be, I, I kind of feel a bit like, uh, uh, I'm probably misquoting Art of War, but uh, uh, um, the concept is the battle is, a battle is won before you get into it. Most battles are decided by the decisions leading up to them. In your, you, uh, a good general arrives with overwhelming forces and a, a superior plan rather than two equal forces arrive on the battlefield and fight to the death. Um, so I do feel like part of me really wants to make the game more about these strategic decisions of getting your armies into getting your armies into position and having the armies available and then uh, uh, launching these large-scale military campaigns uh, um, from that perspective. And, but um, I've also thought, like, in Master of Magic and other games, they basically, once the battle began, it was a tactical battle. And I'm considering... Uh, I'm actually going both ways on this. Should that battle be become a tactical battle of the two large armies, or should it become an abstract battle where uh, um, the player's decisions at this point are far more simple than, and the battle is intended to be very quick rather than a large uh, military, because um, tactical battles tend to take a very long time to play through compared to abstract battles. And I haven't decided yet, honestly, if, uh, um, we're going to build. We're probably going to build both out, and see um, which one plays better. Uh, okay. Maybe let the player. Let maybe let the player choose between them, because um, uh, I know Master of Magic did tactical battles, and uh, um, you know Civilization was a completely different model, but uh, they basically brought down to individual tile units, and then the battle that took place between them was completely abstracted and i'd like to yeah, base just off numbers it would basically be like you okay you position your soldier unit next to their soldier unit attack one of you will win and the other will die end of battle you know um uh and that does pick up the pace of, in that area but it really hurt with the um like i said it really hurt when you have when you move from i'm commanding Five units to I'm commanding 50 units to I'm trying to command somewhere around 150 units. You know, it, it like you you start to lose the ability to keep track of uh, what you're doing. It didn't uh, didn't scale up very well in my opinion, but that's maybe just my opinion. Uh, so I really I, I think I want my strategic warfare stage to be a little bit different, um, but I want We'll, we'll probably consider tactical combat and consider abstract combat and decide uh, um, which can give the player a better experience. Okay. Is uh, for the final game for Xenostar is that is that going along the same lines but just in space? Um. Yeah, I think I think it's going very much along the same lines. Uh. uh I, the original title was uh, 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 for that would have been Master of Orion, as uh, I would say as inspiration. Okay. I was mm -hmm. uh, a few years back. I played the original. Absolutely loved the original. 
I thought the sequel was um, relatively fun, uh, but um, they did a third game in the series, and I was actually relatively disappointed. I said the the worst aspect of it was the graphics of their third game, which came out years later, were slightly inferior to their previous game. I was a bit surprised that they hadn't uh, uh, done anything with that. Uh, and they went from, they, in their decision, they went strict from pure tactical combat, which was the original model, to completely automatic tactical combat, um, which I didn't really understand why they went that way. Uh, um, I, could, I, I really think they would have done better with the, either going with uh, uh, abstract, which can work really well, or sticking with tactical. And I think we're going to pretty much be in the same place. Um, either we want to, uh, um, either we want to focus on, on saying these are large-scale battles, these are large fleets that encounter each other. The battle's a bit more abstract. Um, but it presents a, a, a sort of a better pacing and a better uh, visual, or you really focus on having a few real, you, your ships are individual units that you're going to deploy onto a tactical map and then engage the enemy on that. Uh, and on this one, I think I'm leaning towards the tactical end, but... Um, I'm, te I'm very tempted to go with the abstract just because uh, uh, many tactical, tactical maps in a space environment, you basically end up with empty space. And you don't feel as strongly that uh, um, there's no environment to interact with, so it's sort of the tactical element suffers a bit. There's nowhere to take cover. There's nowhere to, uh, um, you know, there's no... There's, there is a difference in like flanking the enemy, but there isn't really a sense of uh, um, using the terrain or the environment to your advantage at all, which really becomes the basis of a tactical game in my mind. Um, but uh, um, again, it's something where I think, I think we're going to end up uh, approaching both versions of it in uh, a, a, you know, a small scale development and sort of deciding between it as we progress that this one's working so much better than the other one uh, and gives the player a better experience or deciding that both give the player a really good experience and letting the player choose which one is better. Um, so uh, that's sort of like the direction I'm planning with that one um, because we'll already have a fairly strong tactical system built out, and we can, you know, implement that easily in uh, the game mode. And the difference, the differences are all in, in sort of like the stuff, it's sort of like the some of the mechanics behind the scenes. You know, the uh, um, the stuff that appears more in the abstract model anyway, where you know what kinds of weapons are being used, uh, how do they interact with each other. Uh, um, is it sort of um, uh, many games have fallen back to uh, rock, paper, scissors, if you will. Uh, uh, you don't realize you're playing rock, paper, scissors, but you're playing rock, paper, scissors uh, um, between ships. I've never, I felt that that's always been a little too random, but uh, um, it's often the basis for uh, developing a much stronger game. Uh, and we might try something like that or something a little 
there's a couple other ideas we've tossed around that we're still brainstorming on as to the variances between the, the different sides and uh, um, what deci the decisions you make as you're designing these ships as to what style of combat works best for you. You know, uh, carrier-based tactics versus uh, uh, battleships versus uh, uh, really what's our uh, um, small ships in the fleet, but there are a very large number of them, sort of a swarm design. Uh, in a lot of games, I've seen how each one can be used effectively. Uh, um, and I think I want to essentially try and achieve that sense of balance within the game itself that you could design design and structure your strategy around either. Um, some of the elements that are like hard to bring out, I, I've always felt uh, um, it's very difficult to do in a pure tactical model game and something I prefer, which does work well in the abstract, is the idea of um, sending reinforcements, if you will. Um, okay. The, the, because in a, in a tactical game, you really want the combat to be resolved after one turn. Many turns in combat, but one turn in the strategy session. You know, mm -hmm. you sent the fleets here, the combat will take place, the combat will end. Uh, you will now take your next turn of strategy planning with uh, where do you colonize and how do you build your empire. And then that, that, combat, so that combat session ends with the troops that are there at that moment. Yes. And uh, um, there's really no, because, the, because of that break, there's no way to, you can't really plan to send reinforcements because the combat had to end and be resolved before that. Um, mm -hmm. And I thought, uh, um, I've always sort of felt, if the end, you know, I really want to see this, this the, 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 it's almost the real world scenario brought into it of, you have forces there defending the world, and they get attacked, and they make a call for reinforcements. They're, you know, you can see that you need help, and uh, uh, um, your ability to to uh, send out another fleet from a nearby system and have them arrive before the battle ends, and maybe change the course of the battle, um, uh, works better with a, a, a somewhat abstract model where the you don't feel like the combat's supposed to be necessarily be resolved in one turn, but it's something that might be taking place over several turns. Um, and uh, um, there are other elements that I'm like concerned with. Like, uh, um, it's a feature I'd like to see in the game, but it's very difficult to implement because you can hurt the. It can hurt the UI. I, um, want the player to play the role of the leader of this race. Um, and that means, uh, um, and by that I mean, I want him to sort of see some of what's going on in the universe is happening without his direct knowledge. He does not actually know for certain that, he doesn't even know until maybe hours after the battle has started that a battle is taking place. Um, because there's a, there's a delay in, in, in processing this information. And in many, uh, um, you know, strategy games, basically, no, the player's knowledge is, the player is sem semi-omniscient. He knows what's going on at each location completely. Um, and the idea of somehow blocking lines of communication, jamming, you know, information, never really 
you've never been able to really build it in well on those models. And something I, I'm toying with, but uh, I don't want it to hurt the gameplay, so it's, uh, um, it's going to be a tough call when we put it in if... Uh, um, does it really does it make the game better, or does it hurt the game? And it's better to be to give the player that sense of being semi omniscient, uh, rather than being sort of at one location. Um, uh, and I think uh, the the when I first looked at Xenostar, Zen, uh, it really came down to what can I do different with this game. And the part that stood out to me was. Um, I have never seen a decent diplomacy system in a game. Um, the two things that tend to happen, and this, and I think back to even civilization as the easiest example. In civilization, you would um, you would found you might be lucky enough to start on a large island by yourself, and you found this wonderful civilization, and you find this tiny guy next to you on a tiny island. And you actually become friends with him in the game. You've become peaceful. You have an alliance. Um, the moment you reach that point of, wait a second, you're about to win the game. You're about to take over the world because you're crushing your opponents. Your would-be ally, who is technologically about three centuries behind you, decides that he is going to declare war on you. And uh, Not a smart move. <laughs> you get a, you got, but I didn't want to have to kill him. <laughs> you know, I've got, you know, you know, I've got stealth bombers and nuclear weapons, and he has got triremes. Yeah, horses, horses and spears. Yeah, yeah, he's trying to, to, to take me over with cavalry. It's not going to go very well for him. And I've always felt like, you actually look at, like, diplomacy games, and often it feels like it breaks down this way. Um the player tends to do relatively well because they're typically given a bit of an advantage over the, and it makes the AI just sort of glom together into one uniform, we are the enemy, uh, uh, you must kill us all. Mm-hmm. Um, or uh, um, uh, uh, similar problems. Uh, it's very difficult like, to actually see a game where you can, you start to feel like the decisions the AI makes just don't make any sense and I would love to be able to do it. So it's sort of like, yeah, no, diplomacy, you're, these might, especially if the game may decide that there are there are major races and maybe the major races follow more traditional rules, but there are minor races. And the first thing, goal of a minor race is really to make friends with somebody much bigger than them. Um, that, you know, you, you know, your goals can really quickly become, you know, Winning is not necessarily wiping out everybody. It's getting a lot of those people on your side. And their view of winning is simply, is, is like a real country thinking, you know, I'm, I'm a very small country. I want to be friends with the superpower. I don't want to be their enemy. Uh, and years of peace with them are not something that they're going to quickly throw out the, the window. Uh, um, and I actually even want to uh, improve that a bit and say, well, the players are going to suffer the same way. You can't, you can't make a case for war against your longtime ally that your civilization is going to buy. They're, they're, they're not. They're like we've been at peace with them for six centuries, and you're now you're telling us that we should go to war with them. Uh, you know, 
it just doesn't make any sense to them, and, and the whole civilization might start to rebel against the player if they keep trying to push, you know, sort of a unilateral war against people that don't make sense. But uh, um, I, I really want to start to feel like the, the player is a, is a real person in this world, and the world and the, the other players are playing by rules that make sense as people in this world and not game players. They're, uh, uh, um, their decisions are what's best for their civilization, not what's best for them as necessarily as a game player to winning the war, winning the game. Winning the game might not even be an option for them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, um, I really thought, like, yeah, that is something I've really felt has been... It's very difficult to, to do, but it, it's been something that's been very neglected in games in that... Uh, um, it's actually it's because it's so hard to do sometimes that uh, um, as he said uh, artificial intelligence is actually easy it's artificial stupidity that's the problem <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that, that uh, logic you're talking about about the uh, you know being not only superior to the enemy in both numbers and technology and then having them still rather than like you know give up a cow before you still like well we have to go to the last man because that's kind of what the game says. Um, that that yeah, that is something that's missing from a lot of games. Yeah, and I and I think that that if I were to if, because uh, um, in my mind the space conquest genre is, is sometimes seems a bit bland. I really felt that was something I could do with it that would be uh, um, a bit very different. I mean, I say bland, but it's more like. Uh, um, it's very hard to point to something and say this really makes this game stand out as special and better than the others. And I go, I love I love the games for what they are. I love the colonization. I love uh, um, the exploration and research uh, and basically building your civilization up. Uh, but uh, um, if I yeah, I I thought about it and I said, well, the one piece that I would look at and say. All these other pieces have been done well, but I have not seen diplomacy brought into the game well, and I want to do that. And if possible, uh, I've had some, I've had some wonderful ideas about like uh, conceptually, like story elements. I want to be in the game. I want to, I want you to be able to envision that part of the story is some. It would be something like some guy who's working on a farm, and. Um, the planet he's on has been attacked, and he, uh, um, this, the thing that must be done, the simplest thing is they have to send a message out that uh, um, they've been attacked, that the enemy is trying to block that message, because if it doesn't go out, no one will know, and this fleet will then be able to go advance to the next world and launch a surprise attack. And I go, it's a... It, to me, it's a great story. On I can see some visuals that I would love to do for a cutscene that makes that could could make that part of a story side to the game. And I say story side, but it'd be more if you're playing a story side of the game, it would be somewhat more scenario based. But that would only be so it'd only be part of the game. But uh, um, I looked at that and I said, but in real game dynamics, that has never worked. Um, if you're attacked here, you know immediately you're attacked there. You know, there's never there's never the chance that you wouldn't know you've been attacked somewhere. And uh, as I said, that's part of like I was thinking like 
I really would like to see be able to bring something like that into the game. The idea, uh, um, you uh, um, you might your information might not be one hundred percent up to date on what's really happening. <laughs> Um, and there are possibilities of, of actually having uh, surprise attacks and things like that. Uh, I think the last game to try that didn't do a very good job at it, though. They, um, well, they tried to base their entire game around the idea of deceiving the enemy, but uh, um, it was an RTS. I, I can't even remember the name of it. They tried to focus on touchscreen interfaces and other things, and it didn't... To me, it didn't play well at all. I felt it was... Uh, 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 you can't fool anybody, you know. You see the same, uh, um, sort of like the obvious, it's supposed to be a fake unit, but because there's too many of them or they're too high a level, it's like there's no way that they're real units, so you kind of know right away. <laughs> but uh, uh, I think with the turn-based, you could definitely sneak some of this in and, and have it work well that you, you're giving orders to this planet and you don't even know they've been attacked, that they're actually being crushed by the enemy forces right now uh, because it'll take a, a, um, a few turns before uh, um, you will realize you've lost complete, completely lost contact with them uh, unless they somehow manage to send that message. Uh, so I think that I, I can will be able to successfully build in uh, surprise attacks and a few other things into this game uh, that I uh, um, I think will make it really interesting. Uh, I want to be fair, though. If we run into too many problems doing some of these new ideas, we're going to sort of try and fall back and say, you know, some of these ideas we're going to have to leave for a sequel. Some of these ideas... The, the cost of development, they're running into, we're running into too many hurdles. We don't want to miss our deadlines. Uh, it's better to produce, uh, uh, be a little bit simpler on, on the title and get the title done uh, and be a decent game than it is to some, maybe set some of these higher goals aside and say, we can, uh, um, we can come back to this, do it in a sequel, do it, you know, if it's relatively small, do it in a patch or an expansion. Um, uh, because again, it's sort of like it's. I think we can do a really good version of what's already been done, without have, running into any problems, you know. Uh, um, and some of the things that haven't been done before, you know, you're you're treading into new territory, and it may or may not work. And you're going to have to see if you can make it work. And if you can't, it's better to to fall back on. Well, we've already done a really good version of what people are more used to. Let's uh, um, let's present that and uh, get the audience to have a game they can enjoy, rather than spending a large amount of time trying to fix something that we're having we're really struggling with, and sort of leave that as something that we'll do. We'll we'll spend more time on it after we've already provided people what they were looking for. Gotcha. So get get that entertainment out first, get them that first taste, and then uh, and then build on that experience. If if you guys run into that kind of wall, yeah, because I would yeah. like like I, I look at the Arc Magus title, which was the fantasy one. I said, I really want there to be multiple systems of magic in this game, and uh, um, there have been a few models that we can base this on that have been very successful, and we can probably work without any 
major hurdles probably have uh, about three different variations that are relatively close to each other but are quite di distinct in the way they work and have them balance nicely. But I'd like to see that number, uh, um, I'd like to see the systems become a little bit more varied and uh, maybe up that number closer to five different models. And I go, I can definitely see that some of that's going to get into areas that are, uh, um, the play balance becomes, you know, a little bit more exponentially complicated as you try and expand, make these, uh, what was the old, um, I used, there used to be a game, Command and Conquer, and they basically, every RTS started off of that. It was, um, the two sides are equivalent. They are almost mirrors, and there are maybe one or two units that are different on each. StarCraft, was, which I love, was the first game that said, no, 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 these three alien sides, these three sides, humans in the Zerg and the Protoss, work different. They work very differently. There's some areas where they're the same, but they, you know, have very different balance. And it was, I, I loved that game just, just for the, uh, taking that stance of saying they work differently. And I want to incorporate those different systems of magic that I've seen done successfully and balance them out against each other. But I want them to be, uh, um, I want them to be less of they're similar and closely oriented with each other, which I know will work to, uh, um, they actually do have some really big differences between them, and there's more of, of, of the options for the players to how they approach things. Um, you know, for like how you gain energy in different, uh, um, in different approaches maybe uh, uh, that I've seen, it's based on the land that you own, the uh, uh, people that you control, and the structures you've built. And those three things can be very, are very different things that balance together and have been done successfully in different models. And I can definitely see incorporating all of that into one title, but I want to take it a step further and really make these systems less, um, less parallel. There are, uh, um, you know, I mean, the, many times you end up with the same, the same magic, the same effect, just listed under different categories because they felt it was too core to the game mechanic. And I can fall back to that, but I really would love to say, really, when you're playing this game, you feel like you're on completely different terms depending on uh, which system you chose to go with it for your character. You know, did you choose something more like necromancy or did you choose something more uh, um, like uh, um, nature magic or did you choose something more elemental in nature? And really feel like uh, um, you're you can be playing a very different angle from everyone else. Um, so I, I go. I have some very, I have some very interesting ideas I want to run with within these titles. But um, uh, I know more, more than likely it'll fall somewhere in the middle where it doesn't quite live up to what I hoped for. Uh, but it managed to achieve, uh, um, uh, it doesn't fall all the way back down to being a very simple, you know, variation between them. Sorry if I go on for a bit. But... <laughs> oh, no, oh, good. Yeah. Good, okay, oh, no, I, I, th I thought uh, I heard it go blank for a second, and uh, I was like, oh my gosh, what happened? 
No, no, it's, uh, you know, it's just, uh, um, it's, I know, I know my, uh, um, I tend to over, sometimes try to overdo things as a developer and uh, I kept to keep being brought back to reality, but. Um, you guys, I can tell you, you guys are definitely not short of ambition, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. You, you have your, you have your eyes set real high. Yeah, so hopefully yeah. that, that, that turns out, you know. That that's not like uh, some people they let that travel too far, um, but if you're you know if you're constantly if you're bringing brought back if you're if you've got that kind of you know holding you down to earth while still kind of reaching for those stars in a very Casey Kasem kind of way, then, yeah. uh, then hopefully that works <laughs> well, out. Well, I know I know where we can stay grounded because we have um, essentially we have ha- we have uh, a model to work from. Like if we um, as a, I, I say this as a worst case, if we said. Uh, um, let's take what let's take uh, a Master of Magic as a basis, and say our game will actually be very similar to Master of Magic, because many of the things that we want to do differently didn't work as well as we planned. I go, I still think we could produce a really good game with that's its own thing that uh, um, is fun to play, mm-hmm. and I feel very confident about that. But I, at the same time, I'm like, I know, I know what we can produce if we don't manage to live up to our dreams, and I know what we can do if we can manage to achieve it, and I really think we're going to fall somewhere in between. But, <laughs> uh, um, uh, and this, oh, so my brother would want me to point out at some point, uh, um, you know, the part of this is it's not just my wish list. It's uh, um, one of the reasons why we're starting the Kickstarter campaign now instead of, oh, we've gotten so far and now we just need a little bit more funding and we have an engine built out and we just need funding for graphics is I really, really want people to get involved with some of this design and say they have their own ideas, their own wish lists for what they've wanted to see in these kinds of games. And I want them to get involved with this project, knowing that, you know, they can make those ideas part of this. They can. They're, we want their contribution. We want their thoughts on, you know, I played, I played this game, but this never worked well. Could you do, you know? And I think it would have worked better if we'd included these kinds of rules. And I go, I think everyone would actually love those ideas, you know. Um, uh, and I'm very hopeful that like the people who will get involved. You know, can really break out their own wish lists and say, "I, you know, I've always thought this could be better and this can be better. And I have this great idea. I'd love to share it with you." You know, so it's not just my wild ambitions uh, um, for where I'd like to go, but um, I like to um, bring them along for the ride, so to speak. Sure, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's been a, it, it's, a, it's, it's been tough going at first. I think uh, um, we're, we're off to a slow funding start, and uh, um, it's more because you know, getting our idea out there has been really started after we launched, instead of before, and um, uh, that's going. That's definitely hurt our initial funding. But I think uh, if we can even reach. Uh, I'll say 10% by the time this project ends. Um, we're actually in we're actually in really good shape because we would 
ask those same 10% to come back on board and uh, relaunch the project. There are a few things I've already learned that we should probably be doing, you know, tweaking a bit. But um, uh, I think uh, if they came back on board, we would be able to make our full funding goal by the end. Uh, and if, you know, I'd love it if they came on board now, but, you know, that's very difficult. Uh, um, you know, it's very difficult getting the word out there and getting people to who are interested to even uh, uh, look at us, I think, has been our real problem. Well, hopefully we'll be able to help with that. I mean, you know, get, the, get it out there to our listeners, let them hear uh, from you guys, you know, directly rather than just from the, you know, the Kickstarter page and let them get interested on that side. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan, you got anything else? Uh, no, I think we, we covered um, a lot of really great stuff. I, I think it's time for the end game. All right. All right. Well, we like to we, we do a little something different with our interviews where we like to end them uh, kind of with a I like to think of it as like a James Lipton inspired questionnaire, um, but it's more video game centric. Um, so we call it the end game. And here we go. Uh, question number one. Um, who is your favorite video game protagonist? Ooh, favorite video game protagonist. Yep. Uh, Good guy, anti-hero, the, the per- person you're in charge of. You know, Brian, that's that's always the question that our interviewees Thanks. repeat. First yep. one. It's always... <laughs> oh, it's, so, it's so hard. I would actually say... Um, oh, what comes, to, what comes to mind is my favorite had to have been uh, Cloud Strife from Final Fantasy VII. Even though he, he did sort of fall apart at some point uh, um i really like uh, um love that story so um i have to say him okay nice. um i'm gonna flip the side of that coin and i'm gonna go uh who's your favorite antagonist who's your favorite bad guy your villain oh sephiroth <laughs> that one's that one's a lot easier but um i i have never this was the, the Final Fantasy VII did it first for me, and that's what counted the most. They introduced a villain that had his own theme song. Mm. <laughs> sure. Okay. Uh, and uh, I, I was really impressed. Seven, Final Fantasy VII blew me away. It, it got me. Uh, uh, um, I have never been more impressed with a single title compared to what my expectations were. Uh, um, with then with Final Fantasy VII and um, eight really blew me away with the CGI, but I uh, um, never seen that done. On a, it was back on the you know PS2, and I'm like, uh, no PS1, excuse me. Um, I'm like, no game has ever attempted what Final Fantasy VIII did, and they did it on the same hardware that everyone else has been using mm-hmm. uh, um, in terms of graphics. So yeah, that was, uh, but that was seven really really pushed things. Yeah, but seven seven was the one. It's like until then I was in uh, used to be on the Nintendo, you know, and I didn't, didn't think where all the PlayStation. And then suddenly it's like, oh, well, you know, RPGs are like Dragon Quest, you know, the different Dragon Quest games that they've released and a few of those. And I said, and seven really like i really love the story i love the way they managed to build up uh, the villain and so it's really easy for me to say to, to, to use seven as my basis <laughs> all right uh, not a problem. But, uh, not a problem. <laughs> yeah yeah there are but there i 
it's oh, it's generally a hard question because there's so many. Whew, when you're someone like me, you play. Uh, what? How many titles has it been? Like a thousand, you know? I can almost. I don't know the complete count, but it's somewhere around that number <laughs> uh, that I've played over time. You know, game a month since I was a kid, kind of thing. You know? Oh, absolutely. Sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm in that same boat. Um, so for question number three, um, what with that background in gaming, what do you think is the most overused? aspect, theme, or trope in gaming right now that you'd like to see go away? Ooh, overused. Yeah, other, other, uh, other guests have mentioned stuff like, uh, um, you know, a super powerful introduction and then your powers get stripped away. Or uh, having your character... Yeah, red barrels, uh, having amnesia. your character have amnesia. No, I, I, I would actually have to say, yeah, the, the random placement of objects that you're just supposed to smash for no apparent reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, be it, yes, all those chemical barrels that are lying around or the, the, uh, the traditional, you know, uh, you, know, you know, just wandering around RPG and smashing people's stuff, barrels, boxes, and expecting to get stuff in return, you know, like, Really, I I would I actually thought like I would love to do a game at some point where that's what your character's doing, but it makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's some rationale where suddenly you go, "Wow, smashing all this stuff really makes sense." It really is your character's goal. <laughs> <laughs> As to this, this, you know, nonsensical going around doing it and stealing from people's houses and having them not notice. You know, it's like, oh, well, if you explore people's houses, you'll find chests and RPGs that you can open and take the stuff, and it's yours, and no one worries about it. <laughs> like, it's, uh, um, um, but, no, I, w- I would say that the thing, I've, I've gotten tired of all of the random explodable objects, especially in shooters, that, uh, um, oh, what was the thing they said? Even, the, the, the crazy thing is, in real life, they don't even explode. <laughs> If you uh, um, shoot a gas tank or shoot a propane, even a propane tank, it does not really explode. You can actually—they've actually—I uh, think was that uh, MythBusters tried it. Oh once. yeah, it was uh, definitely it, MythBusters. They yeah. did it with uh, with the the Jaws myth too about whether or not he could uh, he could have blown up the shark that way. Yeah, it, uh, um, it doesn't really work. They don't really explode that way, you know. <laughs> uh, right. Uh, not like, yeah, I, I want to say that was actually mentioned to uh, Steven Spielberg in the filming of it. It was like, you know, that wouldn't happen. He's like, yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and it didn't. Not at all. Yeah. <laughs> not no, at all. It, uh, worked, it worked for what it was supposed to do. Smile, you son of a bitch, and then the, bam. What was the worst one? There's, um, you know, the movie Waterworld? They. They had the author on one day, and he says, well, you know that this stuff doesn't run on crude oil. And he and the author says, it does now. Okay? And everyone's like, but even in the movie, which wasn't a very good movie, they thought to mention, and we're refining it. <laughs> yep. <sighs> but, um, no, I mean, movies don't feel the same if you try to make them a little too realistic. 
uh, people do not fly backwards when shot, even with a shotgun, things like that. Basic rules of physics don't apply. But I've always felt that, I do feel like when you mention it, that I am a little bit sick of like overdoing it with the exploding barrels. People do not leave barrels of fuel lying around all over the place. <laughs> Maybe uh, I can tolerate like they explode because you did leave them. You actually have a fuel dump, and maybe it's okay that when the player shoots it, it explodes, even if in the real world it might not. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, the idea that, like, yes, no, this is very sensitive equipment. Put the fuel barrel here. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Or, yeah, stack it next to all those men or the barracks. It's, yeah. That's all. Yeah, or, that's or all the fact that so many you know, highly trained mercenaries decide, hey, let's hide behind these barrels. That would be great cover. That's right. Well, come on. They never, they're never they not supposed to explode. Cue <laughs> the explosion. Yes, so yes. The, the, they know that the barrels won't explode even if you shoot them, yeah. and that's why they hide behind them. <laughs> they're, basic, they're basic video game, lo- you know, real game. Real world logic on, on what real happens in video Real world logic games, in a video game. It doesn't work for them. Yes. <laughs> Nope. Right, so next question. If you could attempt any profession outside of what you're doing now, what would you like to try? And anything. No no holds barred, not money dependent, anything like that. What would you love to uh to give a shot to? Ooh. That's tough. I mean my in reality my dream is to design video games, but uh, uh if I could do Anything else? Anything else? Anything else? It does training doesn't matter? You, know, you want to be an astronaut? Just anything no, else you'd like to try? I actually say fighter pilot. If nothing else mattered, I, I want to try it. But I know the reality is, you know, you wear glasses, you're not going to be a fighter pilot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, well aware of that reality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, um, and probably I would get airsick to go with it, but. Uh, um, uh, I've always, you know, oh, I, I, I love the fighter, you know, movies with flying fighter jets and, you know, just the idea of being able to go faster than the speed of sound, you know, it always really appealed to me. But, you know, that's sort of a, a fantasy world goal. <laughs> that, that's all right. That's what the question was. Yeah. Um, so final question. Um, at the end of our lives, when we all come to the gates of the Mushroom Kingdom, and Toad is there with the book of all of our deeds. Um, and looking over it, what would you like him to say to you? What would I like Toad to say to me? Uh, minus, this is the right castle. <laughs> <laughs> but, Absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, it's hard That's to answer the Mushroom Kingdom better. Yep. All right. Uh, well, I think that does it for uh, this interview. Alan, if you could just let us know, let our listeners know where they can go to find out any more information about the Antonym of Time uh, strategy collection and um, where they can go to back it. Okay. Well, um, our website is www.antonymoftimegames.com. Uh, we... Uh, are up on Kickstarter, and actually the project linked is Kickstarter 
I think it's Kickstarter projects, Antonym of Time Games, Antonym of Time Games Strategy Collection. But it's easiest to find by just going to Kickstarter and searching uh, uh, Antonym of Time, and it should come right up. And I think you'll find from there links. You, know, you can link back to our website, and our website links to the Kickstarter project. Uh, and we have pretty much the same graphics visible on both, although to see the, um, to see the Griffin animation itself, you'd really have to go to the video because uh, um, uh, um, we didn't put the video up separately for that particular feature. Mm. Okay. <clears throat> oh, well, I'll, we'll be sure. So much trouble working with video. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. We'll be yes. sure to uh, to link to to both of those things in the show notes for this episode. Thanks again for joining us. I uh, hope everything goes well. Um, yeah, it sounds like you guys got a, a lot ahead of you. So hope it all goes famously. Uh, thanks again and have a good night. All right, uh, thank you. Have a good night.